standing next to a bench upon which a woman lay stretched out sound asleep. Oh, really, he exclaimed, what has become of this neighbourhood? Had to come away from that disreputable person immediately. This wasn't the first time such a thing had happened, because the garden was shielded by the high foliage from the eyes of passing policemen. Vagrants occasionally climbed the fence. But this was the first time Malcolm had ever seen a woman do it. What is the world coming to? Malcolm muttered. He marched toward the bench. I blame those silly suffragettes, he told Hector. Put stupid ideas in women's heads. He bent over the sleeping woman, frowning as he realized her clothes were new and expensive. Not the sort of clothes a vagrant would wear. He was suddenly a bit cautious. Uh, miss? He poked her gently in the arm. Is everything all right? The woman lay silent. Hector whined softly. Frightened now, Malcolm looked around him at his surroundings and wished he were visible from the street. The hair on the back of his neck stood up and he shivered. But he couldn't just leave the woman lying here. Miss, he said loudly, are you all right? Hector whined again and stuck his nose under the wooden slats, but his head wouldn't go in very far as the lead had got tangled around the base of the gas lamp next to the bench. Malcolm bent down and untangled the lead. As he stood up, he saw what was under the bench. Stunned, he blinked and then forced himself to look again. But the view didn't change. In the pale morning light, it was easy to see exactly what it was. Blood. Lots of it. Grabbing the dog's lead, he pulled him hard toward the gate. Come on, Hector. We've got to find a policeman. That poor woman's dead. There's blood everywhere. Hepzibah Jeffreys, housekeeper to Inspector Gerald Witherspoon of Scotland Yard, stepped into the kitchen and surveyed her kingdom with amusement. Wiggins, the apple-cheeked young footman, sat at the kitchen table. Beside him sat a scruffy young street Arab named Jeremy Blevins. In front of them was an open book, a pencil, and a large sheet of paper. At the far end of the long table, Betsy, the blonde-haired maid, sat polishing silver. Mrs. Goodge, the grey-haired portly cook, stood at the kitchen sink scrubbing vegetables for the evening stew. The only one missing was Smythe, the coachman. But as it was almost morning tea time, Mrs. Jeffreys expected him in any minute. Shall I make the tea? Mrs. Jeffreys asked the cook as she came into the kitchen. No need, Mrs. Goodge jerked her chin to her left, toward a linen-covered tray that rested on the counter. It's all done, but if you could just put the kettle on to boil, I'd be obliged. My hands are wet. Certainly, the housekeeper did as she was asked. Come on now, Jeremy, Wiggins said to the lad. Concentrate. You know what that letter is. You learned it yesterday. I am concentrating, the boy shot back, but it's blooming hard to remember every little thing. 
His thin face scrunched as he stared at the book. Ah, uh, it's a C, right? It's a G, Wiggins corrected. Can't you remember? Leave off, Wiggins, Betsy interjected. Jeremy's doing well. He's learned ever so much in just a few days. Oh, miss, Jeremy beamed at Betsy. I reckon I've done well too, mind you. I don't know why I'm bothering with book learning. It's not like the likes of me will ever get a chance to use it much. You don't want to be ignorant all your life, do you? Wiggins cuffed the lad gently on the arm and closed the book. Besides, you never know what the future holds. At least if you know your letters and can read a bit, you'll be able to sign your own name. That lot of good that'll do me, Jeremy.